Hello and welcome everyone to the pilot episode of Hold the Thought, brought to you by European Horizons Symbiosis Chapter. European Horizons is a global student-led policy incubator working mostly on European studies and transatlantic affairs. We at Symbiosis are the first Indian chapter of this organization. And today we are going to discuss various aspects of students from struggles, opportunities, to where we as youth stand in various fields in the future. Which takes us to our podcast for today on World Students Day. But what exactly is World Students Day? Well, it is to commemorate the birth anniversary of Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam and the achievements he has brought in the field of space program and education. An aerospace engineer from Rameshwaram went on to administer and excel in the programs he contributed for DRDO and ISRO. His developments in the military missile program gave him the title the Missile Man of India for his work on the development of ballistic missile and launch vehicle technology. But what exactly does it have to do with World Students Day? Well, there's another important aspect of Dr. Kalam, apart from his success in the above-mentioned developments. He loved teaching. He understood the importance of education to enlightened minds of the youth. He knew that India's youth have the potential to lead the country and in order to do that, they need a powerful thinking faculty. He was so passionate about teaching that he was doing what he loved moments before passing away from cardiac arrest in IIM Shillong. Since his death, students have come a long way in the sense of exposure and understanding of new technology. Currently, with the upheaval of the whole pandemic, disrupting the way the education system works has put a lot of pressure on students. Which brings us the first question to our guests of the podcast, Nidhi and Tara, President and Vice President of European Horizons Symbiosis Chapter. As college students are under lockdown, what are the primary issues that you as a student is facing in this climate of uncertainty? Nidhi, your thoughts? Hi, Karthik, and thanks for having me on board on our first ever podcast. Really happy to be here. Also, I consider myself quite privileged since I am able to continue my studies as a master's student, even in an online environment right now. Uh, A lot of people around the world and even in our country don't have that same privilege. Uh, Another thing that I personally feel we need to be talking about is the mental health issues that a lot of people, not just students, are facing because of this pandemic. And that's probably getting aggravated by something I like to call the productivity guilt, which we've all felt at certain points. Given the fact that we're staying home, we feel like we have a lot more free time than we really do. And that's really forcing a lot of us to take on things that might not always be in the best interest of our mental well-being. Considering the fact that so many resources that otherwise would not be accessible to me are now available. It's something I struggle with a lot to ensure that I'm not taking on too much onto my plate without, consi- without considering its effect on my mental health. So that's something I think we can really discuss further. What are your thoughts, Tara? Oh, I totally agree, Nidhi. And thank you, Karthik, for inviting us. I think in addition to the rat race, another thing that has worsened our already failing mental health is the uncertainty of exams and where our research work will go. Something that was easily done visiting during field visits in two days, maybe, has to be shifted online, which is quite difficult right now. And as most of us have started our new semesters by now, we seem to be questioning what we are working towards in the end. 
will there be online class cl uh, exams and if so will they they'll be in completely new formats and if the exams are in person you have to kind of risk your life and those of your loved ones at times to be able to go give them exams that are a culmination of years and years of hard work and even without a pandemic the pressure is always quite high right so students mental health crises are quite multi layered aren't they Karthik, you were telling me about an article you had read about the A levels. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Oh yeah, definitely. So this A level exam, which in UK they were supposed to conduct in mid May, uh, they postponed it to June so that to make up for the lost time and like you know to uh, fasten up the whole teaching process. Uh, but then again, there is another like whole different situation that's happening in India, where there are exams like NEET. uh which irrespective of this whole crisis and the ever increasing cases day by day they conducted it irrespective of the safety measures and of irrespective of the students health so that is something to really think about right yes uh definitely kartik and tara both of you have raised some really relevant points and i'd like to add that further uh, about exams something that is really important to consider is the span between when we go into right exams and coming back to you know reopen schools and colleges uh, are we going to face a trade off of you know finishing up your exams faster with a compressed timetable to make up for the fact that they've been pushed back so much and how exactly are we going to bridge the gap that a lot of students are facing with online education and then coming back on ground and in person to write exams that's also something i believe a lot of educators are thinking about and something that i hope we have a plan for when the time comes yeah i really hope so too and another report that i read was like that the south asia is expected to lose around 620 billion us dollars with the whole shutting of schools and universities so there is this dilemma that the government is going through whether to open educational institutes and save economy or keep the uh, institutes shut and ensure that you know they take care of the students health safety so there is this tight rope which they are walking so how exactly do they balance it how exactly do they solve a situation like this well personally i feel we wouldn't have to you know walk this tight rope as you said of saving the economy and bringing it down to just simply reopening or closing schools and colleges because we if we had a proper strategic recovery plan for the covid-19 pandemic we would perhaps be in a lot better conditions and this is true for not just india but also a lot of other countries that are facing similar conundrums so another challenge when it comes to opening schools and is the fact that we've just gone into this digital space with an incredibly accelerated type of education there are a lot of our friends and our peers who have embarked on a new journey into let's say economics or law or anything of that sort at a time when they have never even had the opportunity to meet their peers or be on campus for the first time so one thing that we can take from that is the digital space does not guarantee accessibility and in fact a lot of times can increase disparity between people especially considering there are so many studies that talk about how internet and digital access is not exactly universal also one factor i think we can talk about here is how everyone has different learning methods uh, granted this isn't exactly 
the best case scenario. This is not something that we chose to adopt like an entirely online semester or anything of that sort. But there is a certain challenge to the fact that not every student learns the same way or imbibes the same way. And online teaching methods don't always create spaces for educators to you know, cater to those needs of those students who require a little special attention. So that's something uh, that stays on my mind a lot. I, I totally agree with you, Nidhi. And I think even where educators and students are trying their best to accommodate everyone in this space, I think colleges and courses themselves and the structures of these courses are also suffering. As colleges around the world have opened online, they're forced to bring in drastic changes to their syllabus, right? Especially for technical and medical courses and those that require practical lab sessions. It's quite difficult for students to get access to these expensive software and models that are mandated learning in their courses. And I don't think any amount of online courses could ever replace this. And in all this, I think practical learning has definitely taken a blow. And where these courses aren't taught, it is the students themselves who will feel these repercussions much, much later on during their work life. And this brings to question the quality of the skill sets of these students of online courses who will later be thrust into quite an uncertain job market, right? Yes, that I totally agree with you. Since so many people are doing online courses, it has reached a saturation point. You open LinkedIn, every second person is uploading some online courses that he did in some education platform. So how exactly do we evaluate it? How do we imbibe online courses into real life learning? Already there is an existing skill gap. Given the pre-existing disparity, I think pandemic has worsened this gap. Who knows? Yes, Karthik, I, I really think that's a very pertinent point to raise right now. Uh, one thing I feel has been really highlighted is that this pandemic has exposed a lot of flaws in our system. And I don't mean just, you know, the education system, or, but in general, globally, systems that were put in place to help humanity have failed us at such a critical juncture. So I guess something that a lot of students are taking away from this is that our education system needs a lot of reform to incorporate the fact that so much of our learning is happening through online mediums. And maybe we need to change how we evaluate that kind of learning as you said we need to understand how to evaluate whether we've imbibed those learnings how are we going to make up for the practical knowledge that we've lost in the months that have been taken up by these lockdowns so that's a very relevant point that you've raised Karthik. yes nidhi so you you mentioned a very important word here change uh, like a lot of times a huge change can be made in the field of politics uh, we see a lot of movies coming up where there is a youth and he has a set of really motivated youngsters and he's trying to like lead the way. He wants to make a change. He wants to change the system. You know, there are a lot of movies like that, which is actually motivating youth to get into this particular field. So how realistic is it uh, compared to the real life? And how, there, are, like, there are a lot of student body organizations uh, but how exactly are these organizations helping students to put them in the forefront of politics and decision making? I think so what I have noticed, especially where I'm from the state of Kerala, India, is that a lot of politicians and other people in power were quite active participants of campus politics during their college years. 
and however they seem to be reaching these positions of power only once they're quite old to be frank and so while on paper one might say that campus politics does lead to setting people up for power positions there is still quite a distinct lack of young people representation in these places and something that campus politics has still failed to address so there seems to be the need for quite an overhaul of politics as a whole world over to be frank especially now more than ever and even student organizations for example euro horizons itself is a policy incubator a student run policy incubator at that and there seems to be a need for more of them and more that can bring in proper change right where we need it Tao, that's a really wonderful sentiment that you put across. The fact that we need organizations to make impact at the right time and where we need it to be. I also feel with student organizations, we really need to make spaces, inclusive spaces for people who have been facing the brunt of injustice from systems that we've realized now that don't work for us. Uh, during this pandemic, we've seen a lot of social justice movements, a lot of calls for action. around the world and at the center of this is the youth which is really great to see so what's important now and this is something i'm very passionate about is the fact that all organizations that we're part of especially the student led ones are safe spaces spaces that give voice to the ones who are otherwise not heard from and the ones who don't otherwise get a chance to speak they are the ones who should be educating the rest of us about what needs to change and what we need to be looking at with a more critical eye So that's my two cents on this. Sixty-five percent of the Indian population is youth-centric, but how effectively are we using this powerful resource? With the growing disparity in skill development leading to high unemployment rate, will India find a strong solution to this? Maybe this crisis has made the youth more socially aware, which is great. But it is also necessary that they are equipped with the skills and support they need to be change makers. with that i thank uh, tara and nidhi for being a part of this thank you for having us on board this is great totally and that's all for this episode of hold the thought stay tuned for more